Blog Talk Radio. Walking on a highway, kissing on a highway, walking on a highway with my baby. Walking on a highway, driving down a highway with my baby. Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. I'm Monica, and I'm your host. Tonight is May 24th, 2011. Welcome to Safe Recovery. Tonight we have a really special guest. We're going to have Callie calling in, who was really, really a huge part of this movement or this work that we did. What shall we call it? Um, Gunther called it the initiative out in California, dealing with 13-stepping sexually being harassed. So the radio show really started uh, with that in mind. I had called it 13-stepping or Stop 13-step in AA, and we sort of moved on to calling it safe recovery so we can encompass just lots and lots of different things. And we had a part one, and I am just going to go ahead and bring Callie on, and then we we can talk. So where is she? Here she is. Let's say hi. Hey, Callie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm really, really good. Just really, uh, you know, happy to be doing the show and happy to be hearing from other people men and women, you know, from around the country that have been calling me and emailing me. And um, we have a couple of more people that have left AA because of uh, the sexual harassment. So I think that it's, I feel really good that uh, even though it was really, really hard work, Callie, when we first started it, that we've now sort of uh, created a space in a place that's on the Internet that's real, that people can find me and they have somewhere they can feel that they're not alone and get some kind of su- support, right? Right, right, absolutely. Yeah. So I thought we would just kind of start with, you know, last time that we spoke, uh, you had told sort of the beginning of your story. Is there anything else you want to just add to um, what brought you to the women's meeting where I was and what happened to you? Well, I guess I could just... Um I mean, I know we covered a lot in our last topic, but definitely wanted to touch on on the very beginning of what happened. And, you know, like many women, or like many men and women, when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I wasn't driving and I wasn't, um, I didn't have a license and I didn't really have a life, but um, mm-hmm. I would walk to and from my meetings. And, and um, on, on occasion, that would, well, not on occasion. On every single meeting, I would struggle with, you know, people offering to give me a ride home. Mm-hmm. And I would oftentimes say, no, no, I'm fine. No, no, I'm fine. You know, I'll walk home. It's only a couple of blocks, you know. And so uh, one night, uh, of course, I had said, 
what I normally say, which is, no, I'm fine, I'll walk home, thank you. And I had my little mace, and I was on my way home, and uh, one of the guys from the meetings drove by me, and he said, well, can I give you a ride? And I said, no, I told you already I didn't want a ride. Mm-hmm. And he drove around the block, and he came back, and he said, well, can I give you a ride? And I said, no, no, I'm fine, thank you very much, I'll, I'll go by myself. And and then he drove around the block again, and he came again, and he said, please, can I give you a ride? I don't want you to walk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, fine, you can give me a ride. And he ended up that night, because I hadn't, I didn't have the tools yet to to stand up for myself and to say, uh, to I didn't have tools to do anything, to be quite frank with you. And I didn't even have tools to tell him, no, I don't want to ride. Like the best I knew how to do was say no, you mm-hmm. know, but when he kept right. coming after me and coming after me, I didn't know what to do other than to give in, which was to say, yes, you can give me a ride home. And then we got to the house, and I didn't know how to say, okay, I need to go inside my house, and you need to go home. And that night he ended up coming in and sleeping in my bed, and, you know, I ended up performing sexual favors for him because I didn't know what else to do. You know, I I didn't know what to do. I knew what he wanted, and so I just did that. Now, you know, if it well, wasn't for that AA meeting, I would have never met him. But then again, at my own, on my own dime is, you know, I didn't know how to say no and say, get out of my house and this isn't okay and why are you in here in the first place. But mm-hmm. um, If you could see him today, what would you say to him, Kelly? Oh, goodness. If I could see him today? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would just ask him how he's how he's still alive, like how he's survived after doing what he's done. And I'm sure I'm not the only one, you Mm -hmm. know. I grew stronger because of that experience, you know. But I can't imagine how, (laughs) like, I was just, you know, it just is almost despicable, almost too much for words to express. Like, I don't think that I would even have words for him. Yeah, I think we ran into him at that Young People's uh, event. We went down in San Diego, didn't we run into him down there? Yep. Yeah, yep. and he was really scared. He was like, really scared of the two of us. <laughs> yeah, and he should, and he should have been because I finally found a voice. I finally yeah. learned how to stand up for myself. I finally learned that it's okay to say no and be firm, and that it's okay to hurt somebody else's feelings before they hurt mine because I'm worth it. Yeah, yeah. I want to just take the the, the number to call in. We are going to take calls tonight. Um, there's somebody out there. Uh, in the calling. I'm going to get to you in just a few minutes, so hang in there. Um, 818-475-9211. 818-475-9211 is the call-in number. If you're at a computer, uh, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash safe recovery, and then you go to the show page, and you can click on and listen there as well, or you can just listen on your phone and call in from your phone. Um, this you know, this show, all that I've done, you know, I created so that we could expose uh, what was going on. And to my shock, uh, my I was shocked and Callie was shocked as we went around to meetings uh, that we were, oh, so I want to back up. And so Callie came to my meeting and she was crying, which we talked about on, on the last show. And we, I decided to start to go to meetings with her 
and I began to see there were really some uh, gnarly-looking, scary-looking men that didn't even look like they were sober alcoholics wanting to be sober. They looked like predators, uh, whether they came from prison or not, um, but that it was scary. And so we decided to uh, start to change things, right? And we, I wrote like a one-pager, and you helped me rewrite that. And we went around to meetings, and as we made an announcement, we decided to put on a workshop uh, we, when we made that announcement, it's like you could hear the cockroaches like just scurry away, <laughs> <laughs> right? As we did that, yep. and Callie and I, and actually a few other women, and even my husband, we went with you know we passed them around, and people said I- I've been raped, and I was like, what? What did you just say to me? And um, and then they were like, uh, yeah, and I said, well, did you go to the police? And they were like, no, and we're like, why? And so some of these situations were um, like date rape, so where someone doesn't know how to say no yet. Um, and uh, But uh, I was just pulling out my stories here, and I have a girl that contacted me exactly when we were doing this. Um, she was 15 years old when she came into Alcoholics Anonymous, and some guy who was 16 years older than her, who had lots and lots of more sobriety, uh, he preyed on her and, um, you know, forced her to have... I mean, the story is just horrible. Um, violent sex, um, pedophile fantasies, and then he dumped her. And um, when she was at Acupa in San Diego... She looked over, and he was standing up uh, taking a cake for 21 years, and he had a new 22-year-old girlfriend sitting next to him. And part of what's so sad about this story is that uh, the women surrounding this group actually ostracized her. And uh, so I think that – you want to say something, Callie, before I bring the caller in? Well, I just wanted to comment on that ostracizing, which is – exactly what we found when we decided to bring awareness to to the to the citizens to the people who are attending these meetings you know mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. went to you know they have awareness all day long you know on radio and tv show and this and that about if you walk into a bar you know you could get roofied or you could get somebody could rape you or somebody could follow you home. Like there's awareness out there, there's alerts out there, but nobody talks about in the room. And yet when we came to the room and we shared our experience, you know, and we tried to warn the people about who is actually attending these meetings, we were ostracized also. We were told that it was none of our business to keep our head out of it, to to not make waves, to not make problems, to to um, to not say that because you might scare somebody. Shit, the last thing, pardon my French, but the last thing I'm worried about is scaring somebody. I would rather them be scared than than be hurt. Yeah, you you know, and so just you can swear on the show. It's internet radio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just I apologize for that, but I just am so. You know, it just really is the the hardest thing is, like, when we said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe these things are happening, you know, the members of Alcoholics Anonymous would tell us, well, it could happen to you in a bar. Yeah, but when you go to a bar, there's awareness. There's posters all over the place. People talk about it on TV and radio, and it's well-known fact 
that well, somebody could follow you home or they could spike your drink. But nobody talks about it in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. And then also in a bar, there's a bartender and there's a bouncer mm-hmm. and there's an owner mm-hmm. who's accountable. Um, you know, uh-huh. there's somebody who's going to do something. I mean, we, this story here of me going back to the uh, Rodeo meeting where I went to take my cake, where you and I went a year ago, and I went mm-hmm. back with this really nice flyer and, you know, was talking about all this, uh, you know, the stuff that um, that we had a, sort of accomplished and that here was this, you know, pamphlet and that nobody should be sexually harassed and all that stuff. And, you know, they were, like, like the, the secretary and this other guy were, like, trying to throw me out of the meeting. And my husband, like, intercepted and he was like, you know, uh, no. And then the guy was trying to say, well, you know, you're scaring people. And I was like... No, they need to be warned, like, the, 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 you know, that people are not coming uh, to meetings because uh, they hear about what's going on in AA. And then we went out into the parking lot, and what happened there is I ran into three women who looked like your age, Callie, or maybe even younger. <laughs> and what did she tell us? She told us that she was roofied and raped by a guy who mm-hmm. was in her meeting when she was 17. And now she's 20, what did she tell She was four years sober, so now she's 21. That's the story that I was told in the parking lot when I left that meeting two weeks ago on Friday, and there was no one else in sight, but that's who I met up with. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to see, I'm going to bring in this caller. She has her hand up. I don't know if you see, but let's see who's here. Hi, you're on the radio. Let's see if I better. Hi, you're on the radio. Hi, Monica. This is Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. Welcome. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm really, really good. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure you have something you want to say. <laughs> Would you well, like to I was in here? <laughs> Yeah, always, huh? Um, I was listening to Callie and yourself and um, wanted to add, too, about not being able to say no or whatever. When you first come into AA and start getting sober, you are going through so many changes emotionally, mentally, physically. You're you're clouded. Um, you're mm-hmm. taking people's advice. They're t- you're told not to trust yourself, listen to your sponsor, mm-hmm. and with more sobriety. And so when you do say no and you set that boundary and you say no again and then you say no again, then you start getting frightened, um, and yep. then whatever happens. I mean, and they're counting on that. They know um, those are the predators that keep coming back around and coming back around. I had someone do that to me before. Um, but um, I also wanted to, to say that I found, um, actually I didn't find, I get the AA thought of the day every day. Mm-hmm. And on May 23rd, which was yesterday, um, it was controversy. And I thought that that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And that says, given our anger, both unity and purpose are lost. Given still more righteous indignation, the group can disintegrate. It can actually die. This is why we avoid controversy. This is why we prescribe no punishment for any misbehavior, no matter how grievous. Indeed, no alcoholic can be provide, deprived of his membership for any reason whatsoever. That's from page 98 of Bill Caesar. And I thought that just gives them an open door. Um, yeah. Well, uh, you know, 
When was that written, that book? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, AA says that they are not a part of it, but they let them use their name, use their website, and they have a disclaimer underneath that says that AA, who says that they are not a corporation, but it, it, it states that AA Worldwide um, Services Incorporated does not um, have anything to do with this publication, yet they do um, have quotes from the big book in there, and they have quotes from the grapevine. And they now, I know you, you, you called in last, last time, and you were in, because you and I have been talking a lot, the audience uh, listeners out there. So Carolyn has been, and I have been talking on the phone and emailing her because she's really having a, had a really, really tough time out there. Do you want to, like, fill us in what's happened since the last time you called in? Because actually a lot has really happened to you out there, hasn't it? A lot has happened, yes. Um, well, I couldn't go into my group. Um, I stopped going a week prior um, so I could gain some emotional um, sobriety and stability because I was constantly being grabbed, groped, um, um, assaulted in all different ways. And um, I had taken all different courses um, of action through the committee and the secretary of, of the group. And then I finally met up with the pastor yesterday who rents the space out to the group and he turned it on me. He he told me um, that he was worried about my sobriety and that he thought I needed help and it sounds like you're itching for a fight and that your group gave you good advice to go to a woman's meeting. Um, and I got a little upset about that because um, I thought he would be shocked to hear mm -hmm. what was happening on his campus while there's youth groups activities going on right across the sidewalk uh, from the AA and, uh, group, and he wasn't. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. It, uh, he, he, he actually got upset with me, and then, so I emailed him back, and I said, you know, I, I contemplated your, your comment about me itching for a fight, and I said, I am itching for a fight. I am itching, um, I am fighting for, for um, my right to retain my, my civil rights and go to a meeting that is safe. I chose your church because churches are supposed to be safe with high moral status and that I'm fighting for um, the, uh, the women who suffer in silence and the men and I'm fighting to keep and retain my, my civil rights. I said, just as you do for your congregation and he's going to Africa this Thursday, so I said, and for the people in Africa. Um, so he was far from help, um, and he turned it around and tried to victimize me like I was a lunatic. But what surprised me the most is he was not shocked whatsoever. In fact, I believe he made the comment, Monica, didn't he, that, um, well, AA members are that way. Yeah I, yeah, I think so. I just, you know, I'm I'm so glad that we're finding each other because, you know, I so many people say it's an outside issue. Like that's what they were yelling at me at the mm -hmm. meeting in Westwood, and then I turned to the group and I said, "Who here has been 13 stepped?" You know, and my husband yeah. said the whole room, like there was just a whole bunch of people, raised their hand. 
But you, Carolyn, are a perfect example, as well as there was another woman who uh, came to me, you know, probably six months ago, no, maybe it was last August, who were being touched and grabbed, and you even know of another woman in your area that the same thing has recently happened to. And, you know, I called the church here, too, to file a complaint, and they didn't call me back. And then I waited, like, I said, okay, let me see who they're going to call me back. And I called, and then on the blog, I'm thinking, thinking, there was a whole great discussion about they're not ever going to, they're not going to call me back because they are just like, they're so, they're just in it. They're, they act the same way in their churches. And I was kind of shocked, but she was right. This one blogger, you know, she made a really good point that the Catholic Church and, and all the churches got forced to do it through insurance. So if they are get threatened that, and this is including AA, AA has, you know, people cover their insurance, the, the districts, the areas, they all have liability insurance. They have to, if they're incorporated, they have to have insurance. That's right. And another thing with the, the um, church, too, this group has been there for 18 years. They meet there seven nights a week, and they have been paying rent 12 months a year for 18 years. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he took that over the kids. And I said, well, aren't you concerned about the criminal activity and um, the sexual predators that are amongst the youth at your, your church on your campus? And he, and he told me that um, he said that that is my concern, not yours. And if I kick the group out, then they'll just act the same way somewhere else. And I said, yeah, but they wouldn't be acting that way on your campus. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we're, yeah, we're going to go after um, the insurance company. And we, I've, I've contacted. Do you want me to talk to who I've contacted? or? Yeah, I mean, do you want to or you want to just talk about it uh, later? We can talk about it later if you want to. Okay, thanks for calling in. Thank you very much. You have a good evening. Okay. I'll talk I'll, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Callie. Yes. So, um we could talk about the new news. The new news is this. I got an email from somebody uh who used to be very involved in general service that at the next uh, big conference in April next year. They are going to have all of the delegates, 93 delegates from the United States and Canada, having a workshop on member safety. And that's really good, but in the meantime, we have 11 months of people being 13 steps, sexually harassed, sexually battered. I mean, I think it's good. It's it's a beginning but it's really, really bad when I've heard of six rapes in 10 days, and that's what's happened. Since my last show with you, I have been told about six rapes. Uh, One of them did go to the police. He's still free. Uh, And someone else contacted me from another state, and um, a girl came up to me in my meeting when I told them I was leaving for good, that I was moving on from Alcoholics Anonymous after 36 years because I no longer wanted to be a part of a fellowship group program, whatever you want to call it, that allowed this kind of behavior to go on unchecked. 
and she came up to me and told me that uh, she had been raped twice when she was new. So it's just now it's just yeah. jaw dropping. <laughs> I mean, and it never it never changes over the you know year and a half that that we've been openly discussing this. It, I my my jaw drops every time I hear it. You know, it just and to hear to hear them, you know, turn their back and say we won't deal with it. I mean, they're just so discouraging. Yeah, it is. I I think that I think the good news is that there is a shift in that there is a huge exodus of good people leaving, and I think that it was really my intention to let everybody know the 40 people that are there that I'm leaving and why. Because there's new people there, right? There's all kinds of people right. there. And people are going to be like, oh, well, where's Monica? You know, what happened to Monica? And why did she leave? So there's no room for gossip here, even though there might be. But I, st- I stated it why it is. And, you know, I've gotten, so here we have Carolyn on. She just told us that she's not going anymore. And then I had a guy contacting me from the southeast part of the country and he left, and, um, you know, uh, there's another woman from another state contacted me who doesn't want to go anymore. And, it, you know, if all these people leave, there's not going to be a lot of good people there to, you know, stand up for the, the next Callie who walks in as a newcomer of sobbing with 33 days. When What did everybody tell you again, Callie? What was your part in it, right? What was that? What was your part yeah. in it, Callie? Yeah. And that's why I was so hung up for so long. I mean, I came crying to you, you know, when I had barely three months of sobriety, and I didn't actually take any action to help myself until almost, until after I had a year or right before I had a year, you know, and it was because I felt so guilty about my part, you know, and the reality was is that I don't know. My part was that I was 22. My part was that I showed up to Alcoholics Anonymous. My part was that I trusted them when they said that my best thinking was wrong. You know, like, Mm -hmm. my part was that I didn't stand up for myself. All of those things, you know, which are tools that I've learned today, but I had to go through some really rough times to learn that, and people shouldn't have to go through that, you know. All you have to do is empower and not, not defeat you know? Yep. I have some uh, people on the, there's chatting. I wanted to just say this out there, anybody who's listening, you can also chat in the chat room if you don't want to, um, if you don't want to call in and talk. Uh, there's two, I picked two stories out of here. I'd like to just read um, a couple of them. This came to me in June of 2010. I've been sober in A since 1992 and have seen various forms of abuse the entire time, but no one has ever spoken of it except in whispers after the meetings. I started getting warnings from protective older members right away. I was 28 when I got sober, and I have seen and heard of some really sick advantage-taking in the rooms of both sexual and financial types. I could write a book about the long-term recovery house I lived in for 10 months, exclamation, exclamation point, it was a cult into itself. If I had not had old timers with a conscious, with, uh, with, you know, protecting my back, I could have been easily chewed up and died as a result. 
I became even more enlightened about some of the abuse in the fellowship when I sponsored a young woman who was a university student a few years ago. She happened to be quite attractive, and the harassment she endured was disgusting. It was simply not behavior that is considered legal or acceptable in any other part of society. One man went so far as to expose himself to her before a meeting, and another old enough to be her grandfather kept touching her inappropriately when several people had gone out for coffee after the meeting. She confronted him on it in the coffee shop, but was treated as if she were hysterical or something. In normal society, this is not the norm, but women who are are supposed to look for their part in AA, thank you for addressing this. Um, Yeah, so uh, I thought that was a really, really good uh, post that she wrote. Um, Here's one more I'm going to read. You want me to name names? I'm just pissed off about how the so righteous elder members of 12-step programs have their heads in the sands on this one. There is a fellow here in blank, I'll leave out the city in Tennessee, that is a number one offender, predator number one. He even gives me this guy's first name, has knocked up several female members, married women, takes advantage of women who come in loaded or medicated, uses his motorcycle as a PM. I don't know what that means, as a PM. Um... Once you get on, you can't get off, stalks female members. First one to jump on female newcomers. It seems like meetings have become his personal dating service and playground. This has to be exposed since the elder members re- elder members refuse to acknowledge anything is wrong with this behavior. Those are just two of them. Like I have a, I have a file folder that's thicker than an inch now, and that's just the stories that have come to me from uh, the emails from Stop 13 Step in AA, and, and then the new stories is thicker than an inch. It's almost two inches. And one of the stories that I just I want to say this because it needs to be said out loud. When Callie and I first started to go around and we went from, you know, meetings into West Hollywood and, you know, we went kind of all around. Oh, no, it was one of our women that helped write us. She she took the pamphlet to a meeting. That's right. This is it came from another woman. And she handed this literature to a gay man who's now 15 years sober and he took the literature and he said oh wow he goes this is great because this is fabulous he said you know what happened to me when i was new and she said what and he said oh yeah i was doing my fifth step and my sponsor told me i had to take off all my clothes oh so my god she, i remember I that I, I remember this and so when she told me that what did i do i said oh my god just like you just did and my jaw dropped but you know, when I was, I, then I was asked to go speak at a gay meeting, and I actually knew a, a gay woman, uh, and I, we were just speaking about this, and she said, "Oh, that's like no big deal." And I said, "What? Like, what did you just say to me? That's not a big deal. It's not a big deal that somebody told somebody to take off their fucking clothes to read them a fifth step. Are you like out of your mind?" What kind of crap is this, that women in the Spanish community were told to go up into the mountains? I was sat down at Plaza. If somebody ever tells you it is an outside issue, I was sat down at the Pacific Regional AA Service Assembly in March of 2010 with Cali. The Spanish Mm -hmm. community asked me to sit down, and they translated what we were talking about in Spanish. And those women looked at me, and they said, you know, they tell me to go up into the mountains. I said, in the mountains and do what? <laughs> uh, that was so sick. 
to read the inventory and then to have sex with the old-timer, which is why the Spanish community was like there weren't women getting sober. And that's why when I met a woman who was from the Inland Empire and she grabbed my pamphlet and they took that sucker out there and they translated as fast as you can blink in 20 meanings to Spanish-speaking meanings are using the pamphlet because women today, just like back in 1975 when I got sober, weren't getting sober because they were told they had to have sex with elder members which I hear is going on in the Midtown group, which is like, you know, a little moving itself down into Florida, or a, a group called the Foxhall group, which are spin-offs of the Pacific group. Mm. That's right. Completely, completely. That group uh, in Washington, D.C., we heard about, too. Right, right, right. That's the Midtown group, which I'm hearing from people down in Florida that it's migrating down into, uh, down into there. And so people are leaving, you know. So what's the next The next thing that happened? Callie and I rewrote the literature with three other women. And we wrote some letters to New York General Service emails, right, Callie? Because we were pretty mad. Mm-hmm. Do you remember why you were so mad about what that... Uh, paid member of Alcoholics Anonymous said to us in those emails? Do you remember? I don't. I don't recall. I think you have that letter, though. I know that I was steaming mad. I was just like, I just didn't understand how we were sending all of our pennies. I mean, most of us, when we get there, we don't have much, you know, and yet, you know, they told us whatever you spent on alcohol, you could put into a jar, you know, at AA, and I did that. And so I was sending, you know, what little I had to people who, you know, when I addressed the issue with them at PRASA, told me that that it was an outside issue and that, that or that that's a normal thing that happens or that it's no big deal or stop making waves. But if you have that letter that I wrote, I'd be I'd love for you to read it. Yeah, I'm going to look through here. Uh, one of the stories that was really, really sad, uh, and we had her on, was from Keeper, um, and she we did a whole episode with her, and, you know, she was, uh, her son had gone to a meeting with her, which normally he didn't go, and one morning, you know, he wound up going with her, and um, I was just thinking about Keeper, because I have her letter here, and the guy who was speaking that day became her son's sponsor, who then went on to molest him and murder him. And I'm sure this is the, the worst story that um, that we have heard. Absolutely it is. But what happened from that, and I know that you're not going to call in, Keeper, because you said you don't want to talk, but wasn't it like because of the work that she wound up doing, they caught a ring of, wasn't it like 23 men so it was actually a ring of pedophiles that were targeting Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and rehabs in, like, nine states. Was it? I mean, I think if I'm getting the numbers right, that that the, um, I mean, I call it the FBI, right? Wasn't it the, uh, the FBI that got involved? But um, I don't know. She's, she's still out there listening. But... 
you know, that's the kind of thing that, yes, New York General Service needs to hear that story. Seven states. Okay, here, she responded to me. Thank you so much, Keeper. Seven states and the first arrest had 28 men, including the local sheriff. Oh, my God. Who they were feeding, right? That's why federal marshals, right? So the federal marshals got involved. And it took them four years, right? Was it a a process of four years? And it was on um, America's Most Wanted. It eventually, you know, was aired. uh, I don't remember what year that happened in. But so this is, you know, a kind of thing that if somebody gets paid $480,000 a year in New York in AA headquarters, I, I think they have time for, you know, a sexual harassment training at every level. And they could easily, so quickly, send a letter because of the way that, you know, people, they now have track of general service reps, a letter stating you need to go back to your meeting. Never mind have a business meeting. No, no, no. Let the whole hour be discussing the liability, right? The real liability, that if there is a a group of people that finally got together, that yes, there is a liability of a class action lawsuit, that could happen. Never mind that. Let's talk about the lives of the people who go kill themselves, you know, the people who have been raped and still come back to an AA meeting. Why? Because you think this is the last house on the block. So let me say it here, if this is the only place you hear it, that there's a fabulous program called Smart Recovery, that there's a fabulous website called Stinkin' Thinkin' where you can go and find other people who will talk honestly about what is really going on in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, X-Steppers, which I still find it hard to navigate that. There's Rational Recovery. There's Women for Sobriety. There's SOS, Secular for Sobriety. I mean, this is, I mean, don't you agree, Kelly? I mean, they could do so much so fast. So much, so fast. So many right? other places, so many other resources. And then even on top of that, you know, just to plug in that there are therapy, you know, the insurance companies cover uh, treatment centers and and things like that. Like there's so many other outlets that you could turn to. That is not the house, the last house on the block. That is propaganda. Mm-hmm. Wow, I just read another story. This story is really, really sad. Oh, let's see. I'm so glad I found this website. I joined AA several years ago when I hit bottom. I was so emotionally ignorant that I was easy prey for older AA male members who gave me a place to live. I assumed I would be paying rent money, but he wouldn't accept any. He wanted sex for my room and board. I was devastated, and I ended up on the couch of friends for a while, and I stopped going to AA meetings altogether. That's all I want to read from that one. You know, so and that's, unfortunately, that's a common story, Monica, that you and I both heard. That's not the first time we've heard he wanted sex instead of rent. Yeah, I mean, it happened to me when I was 19, lived with those two creepy middle-aged rent men with my sister. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's what happened there. And when I didn't want to do it again, they, like, told me to get out, which was, you know, probably all the better for me. But, uh, you know, I think that... It's all nice and it's great that they're going to discuss it, but discussing it is not taking action. Like literally, they could send a letter 
that goes to every delegate now, every area chair, every district chair, and every GSR and every secretary, and then contact the central offices and say, we have an epidemic of sexual predators, sexual harassment in our meetings, and now we're hearing many, many stories of rape, and that everyone needs to hold an entire, their next meeting needs to be on this subject right now. And we're going to have a zero tolerance for people that act criminally. Can you imagine? <laughs> what would that be like? Well, I don't see it happening, so I left. Right. But I, I like the point of what you said is that, okay, so what about all the therapists? Well, now my therapist knows the truth. She knows the truth about what's going on in AA. She didn't have a clue. What about all the district attorneys? What about all the judges? What about all the treatment centers that are like NISO aligned with Alcoholics Anonymous? It says, we are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization. Do not wish to. You know what? They are so aligned with so many rehabs. That's part of the treatment. That's part of what people pay for is to, you know, is to attend, what, at least one Alcoholics Anonymous meeting a week. They bust them out there. We saw it in Los Angeles all the time. You never eat. Every posh recovery center buses their people to Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, I, I think it's even more than one a week, Callie. I think it's like they tell them to go to 90 and 90. I mean, what kind of insanity is that? They need to, like, rethink even their program. I mean, in the old days, people went to one. I mean, they, they did. They didn't. Are you kidding? They, I mean, I'm not saying that to you, but, you know, I'm like, I want to say to a judge, like, what are you, nuts? Like, that whole idea of sitting in those meetings, so many listening to that same literature over and over at the beginning is so unhealthy. Mm. What do you think? I... I mean, I agree. I agree. I think that, you know, there are a lot of old-timers who are still in the program, and back in that day there wasn't 90 meetings to go to in 90 days, you know. And I think the more obsessed you become with Alcoholics Anonymous, the less you're capable of thinking on your own, which is exactly mm-hmm. how they like it. Mm-hmm. You know, the more, the more obsessed you are, the less you're able to think on your own. And I know that from my experience. I've been away from Alcoholics Anonymous now for almost a year, and my life has excelled exponentially because Mm -hmm. I can think for myself today and because I am empowered and because I can make decisions. Yeah, I really think that that part of it, uh, this process that I've gone through over the past, I want to say like maybe the past six months, that you know, I I did some shows on the literature, and as I was at the end, like it took me months, but I would sit and listen to chapter five, and I thought, you know, this is not true, like this is a lie, and you know, Gunther said it the best: rarely have we seen a person thoroughly follow our path. Or what does it say? Rarely have we seen a person who is thoroughly. <laughs> rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. But Gunther took out the fail part. Like, really, have we seen a person 
thoroughly follow the path because that's the truth. You got to be kidding me. How many people just like come and plunk their ass in the meeting and they're like plugging into the matrix and they're like, oh man, I'm sober now. This is like really no. And and like mindedness to sit in a group of people that are constantly thinking really bad about themselves, beating themselves up, what's wrong with me, blah blah. I mean, I think the whole dynamic. So what started to happen to me is as they started to read that chapter five over and over, I started listening to it and I thought, wait a second. Like, that's insane. Do you realize what they mean by that when they say, you know, incapable of being honest with themselves? That means they're calling everybody a sociopath? No, that's not true. Well, like men who have lost their legs. Well, how come, like, all the Buddhists, they, they don't, even in TM, when you learn TM, you learn that you're pure inside. You're not broken. They make you believe that you're broken and that you need to keep coming back forever and ever. But like smart recovery, they just you come you know as long as you need it, maybe a year or two, and then you go live your life. There is, there is no rule about it, you know. And if somebody gets drunk, they go, "Oh, you lost your time." Like what time? Like what are you talking? The obsession with the years and the chips and the clapping and well, what about being happy? Yeah, what about being happy? And being friendly. Were they friendly to us at the at the service meetings, Kelly? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we were like we were like a black plague, but but I mean it just was so interesting to be on the outside of that world today and to look in that the majority of the people, you know, that their prestige came from how many days they could stay sober. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have any sobriety. I mean, I fell into that trap with with um, with the guy who moved in with me, you know, and I, I paid his rent and I fed him and I clothed him for a year and a half, you know, and he supposedly had five years of sobriety. Baloney. He didn't even get a job. He was right, so wrapped right. up in resentment and self hatred and and you know, feeling powerless. It's but when he walked into a meeting, he was like the king of the meeting because he had five years. Oh please. Right. <laughs> yeah, what I guess that's the really the cult part of it. That's what I see a lot on you know, thinking, thinking in the blogs of people who've had 25 years and left and 22 years and left and 17 years and left and now there's another guy three years and left. And um, that one of the things that uh, we see as it starts to, or at least for me, is I began to really see the cult behavior. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to say we have 13 minutes left. If you want to call in again, um, you want to call 818-475-9211, 818-475-9211. Um, the thing that it felt so big, I think I can speak for you here too, is that it felt so big, right? Remember when the problem it just felt so daunting and so huge and, uh, yes. and, and in some meetings actually scary if we were, you mm-hmm. know, just, if one of us uh, going alone, we could. I, I actually couldn't even make some amounts, announcements. Sometimes it, it felt so uh, scary in the meeting. Mhm. Right. That happened to you as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was terrified. Especially, I was a secretary of an open meeting. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely terrifying to walk in there by myself. 
I, I luckily I had I had several people Monica, Kevin, Dan, several others who mm-hmm. uh you know, who would go to the meetings with me. Because I, if it was up to me, I would have stopped going there long long before because there was so many predators because of the vibe in the room. When you walked in the room, it was scary. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Here's another one. I just want to this, – this, I just caught a, another uh, letter here. She said, um, I've never written on a blog before, but I was relieved to find this. Actually, I was 13 step twice and both times left in humiliation. The second time was 10 years ago, and I never went back. I don't drink, and I take that very seriously, as I have a lovely daughter now, but no way would I go back to AA. Wow. Wow. And that still haunts her. I mean, 10 years later, she's fine. She found that blog, and it haunts her to the point where she had to comment. You know, like, these are harms. These are serious, life-changing harms that are happening. But you know what I think the reason, Callie, is that there, like Thinking Thinking was created two years ago this past January, and then I started the blog a year ago in January. So there weren't maybe public forums like this. Ex-Steppers, I think, existed longer. But a place that was clearly, this was, I mean, I called it Third Stop, 13 Step, and Thinking Thinking, there was a lot of people talking about that, you know? Mm-hmm. But you're right, like she probably felt alone. You know what I mean? She probably felt alone and uh and I did. Oh my god, like even when you left, when you moved away, uh mm-hmm. you know, I jokingly say it drove me to Buddhism, which it did, you know, it drove me to a form of Buddhism that I was like, you know what? Callie and I looked up at the sky, right? We saw the beautiful blue sky that day, Kevin and I, you and I went out there. Mm-hmm. We were like Man, like, we don't have to do this. This is like, if they don't want to change, then, like, why are we even trying? Right. Right? Right. And, you know. But we when, have to try We have, for for these people. Like, that's why, why I block an hour out of, you know, the week to call in, you know, to hope that somebody might be listening that has never heard any open, logical speaking about what happens in Alcoholics Anonymous. Right, which I, I so appreciate it, Kelly. I mean, I, I know now that, you know, this stuff would not have uh, gotten to where it was that it sort of, I think, was that we were supposed to meet. And I even said to you a couple of times, we did have a lot of fun as we went to these events, in the car at least, before they started, like, sending their daggers of hate towards us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did have fun. We'd have fun in the car, but, you know, we're like, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. But I'm looking through some of these stories. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. That So, Callie, you left, right? And then I felt, uh, thank God, the, the transition for me was that I couldn't do all this work alone. And what happened was that the stories started to get worse. So I continued to do the outreach um, Sandra and Christine Cass were murdered by the guy that she had a, met in a meeting, and then Tracy White was murdered at the end of November by a couple he met in a meeting. And it, I started to just pull pull back and go to, I, I, rarely except when asked to speak, you know, would go to mixed meetings, and um, because it just seemed to get 
scarier and scarier. And actually, the stories that were getting posted by Friend the Girl and MA on their website were bringing all the criminal, the people who were being sentenced. We're not we're not even talking about DUI people. We're talking about they're sentencing people now. The they're doing plea bargains, and in those pleas, they are sending some serious, serious sex offenders. How is that possible that they're allowed? I mean, I don't understand. Do you you don't know about all these other stories, Kelly? No, I do. I do. I have been tracking. Like when you email me, and I have been been definitely listening. And Tracy White, when I heard about that, that was just um, that was like really the last straw for me. Was just like really, I mean, somebody was murdered, and the only possible solution, or like the only possible way that this could have happened, was because he was reaching out on a twelve-step call. So it's directly related to Alcoholics Anonymous, and still, and still. There was no connection made. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no no further investigation. Could this happen again? Has it happened before? Should we warn people? Should we do something? No, none of that happened. And that was really like the icing on the cake of like, what is this program? What is this? Yeah, pretty bizarre. Don't you think it's pretty bizarre? Yeah. Yeah, like one of the things that uh, when I went to I think you had gone. No, I, I don't. I think it was the day that you had like your little party. Remember, I had to go to that service meeting out in Pasadena, and you were like, "No, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. I'm done." Right? Because uh-huh. you were having like a few people were gonna like get together at that little place to say goodbye to you because you were moving. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, that was so horrible. And when I left that service meeting, I said to myself, "That's it." Like, there were three people out of a hundred that had the balls and the nerve to get up at the mic and say, I think we need to address this. I think Monica's right that we need something. We need literature. We need to have talk about it. And even people who said they were on board flipped, you know, and kind of got up there and said, this is not a witch hunt or whatever. And I was like, you people, I do not belong here. You people are stark raving mad. And I did wind up doing one more meeting where it was the Westside District where a group of women from the group and some other people came to sort of grandstand in a meeting where, I don't know if that's what you call it, but where we sort of made them take notice, where they were telling us to sit down and shut up. Remember that? I'm sure you yep. told you that story where, you know, women a lot of time came and said, you know, we will be heard. This is a problem, you know. And... um it was almost a fight. I mean, there wasn't, but it was pretty close. But, you know, it's the predator level is really high. We have five minutes left. Uh, you know, in wrapping it up, I want to say that with me moving on, I still want to provide um, any kind of service I can to people who are still attending meetings with the literature uh, so you can, you know, get it from me. Um, that the make A safer for all members, I mean, I could take the A off it, and it would be good for any meeting, Um, that we all deserve respect and the right to get sober in a healthy, empowered environment. I mean, I think that's one of the best lines on there. We put stuff on there for parents and minors. Oh, 
my God. This outreach with the, with underage. Okay, when I was at over that Rodeo meeting, it is not cool. This is not okay. And this is maybe where me and some of us have to do. We have to do some activism. Those they cannot. Parents cannot drop their children off at a meeting and think they're okay. They are not. They're not. Okay. They're not safe there. There's no safety setup like, you know, even the Boy Scouts has it. Remember Paul used to tell us the Boy Scouts has it and Brothers and Sisters of America. I don't think teenagers should be allowed in AA meetings. I think that if you're under 18, you can't go and something needs to be created, and I sure would like to create something else. Did I lose Kelly? I think she fell off the air there. Where is she? No, there you are. Kelly, you there? Kelly? What the heck happened? Oh, sorry about that. What happened? Oh, there you are. Did, did I lose you? Did I yep. kind of push? Okay. Did something happen with your phone? Yes. Yeah. It just shut off out of the middle of nowhere for no <laughs> reason. <laughs> I was like, no, we're almost done. I really just, um, and wrapping it up, I just wanted to say that, you know, uh, my love goes out to everybody who's suffering you know, or has suffered, you know, in silence for as long as they have because they're afraid of bringing it up, you know, um, that there is a forum now that you've provided, you know, literature, that you've provided websites, that you've provided blog talk radio, that, you know, there are forums now and you will be heard. And um, I just want to thank you. Thank you for bringing me on. Thank you for, you know, taking the time to, to allow me to be a part of this. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we'll talk again. All right, I'll I'll finish out the show. You want to stay on till we finish out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be okay, great. Okay, stay on. Yeah, let me. Re- I want to read what um, somebody in the chat room said because it's really good. Um, people come into the room scared and confused. They are begging for help. The predators come with smiles on their faces. Nobody knows their last names. They are often popular and well liked. Predators hug, rub, and make unwanted sexual advances. And then um, there is nowhere for a victim to turn, no one to complain to, unless you want to be outcast by other members. That's so true. The fear of speaking out is real. No lifer wants to dampen AA's reputation. Newcomers feel there is nowhere, nowhere else to go for help for alcoholism. So... Boy, that was really, really, that was done by uh, Amy that posted that. And I want to thank everybody who came to listen and, uh, you know, bring the support and know that I think there has to be something created. She said I have 90 seconds left. (laughs) I'm going to wrap it up by saying um, that, it's empowerment that we all need to speak up and speak out. And I am going to work on developing some kind of thing for underage minors that's safe, that's empowering, that people need a background check, uh, and that's not expensive. These kids are just, people are dropping their kids off in rehab. Uh, they don't know how to deal with it. The parents of you know kids in the Palisades and in Beverly Hills and it's not a way to deal with it. And I want to just thank everybody. Next week we're going to have uh, the president of Smart Recovery is going to be on. And I'm just going to read this little bit as we go out. Um, 
just basically, I'm Monica. I'm your host. I love you guys. Thank you, Callie, so much for coming and being my host for tonight. Thanks, Carolyn, for calling in, everybody in the chat room. And uh, we'll see you next see you next week. Bye, Callie. Bye, Carolyn. Bye, Mom. Thank you. Bye, Kevin. Okay, bye. We'll see you next week. Bye. bye.